0: Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. It's October 17th, 2018. I'm Charlie Sykes, joined by Andrew Egger and Jim Swift of the Weekly Standard. And you'll probably be able to hear in the background these sirens and everything because I'm broadcasting from Soho. Because, of course, we wanted to like you know, get in touch with middle America, the real America. Man on the street. So, man on the street. So I'm looking across at apartments that, you know, that, that are advertising starting at 1.25 M. which they might as well just have a sign saying... Charlie, what's M stand for? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. no. Okay, Okay, guys, we have a lot to talk about, including what's going on with Saudi Arabia, the uh, the Senate elections, the midterm elections, but I have to start off with what I have described as a headline for the ages from CNBC. Pro-Trump pimp, Nevada GOP Assembly candidate Dennis Hoff dies after rally birthday party with grover norquist joe arpaio and porn legend ron jeremy ladies and gentlemen i give you 2018
1: that is uh, i i had seen that he died i did not know that whole rogues gallery of characters were there that is
0: that's remarkable you got you have hookers you have porn stars you have joe arpaio and then there's Grover Norquist, who, okay, there, there's got to be an interesting backstory.
1: <laughs> that, that that one is actually a little less surprising uh, than, than you might think. Norquist is you 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 may or may not have heard a, a Burning Man enthusiast. Yes. He's got that he's got that wacky side to him. You know these these these. Uh, these tax lobbyists—they—they they really know how but to. It sounds cut up. like
2: it sounds like the intro to a joke. Joe Arpaio, Ron Jeremy, and <laughs> Grover Norquist walk into
0: a bunny bunny bar, and you'll never guess whatever happens. You know, that's next. pretty good. No, it is. It's like you know, if, if you had to sit down and like do a mad libs of like people you would not expect to be in the same sentence, that that would be pretty much close to it. You know, the, it, I mean, and it starts off so strong. I mean, the poetry of all of this—if we could break it down. Pro Trump pimp. The first, the first two or two and a half words, <laughs> you start off like, how can you not read after you start off pro Trump pimp? The guy's a legit pimp out though. This isn't this like this guy was me- about to be elected to the Nevada Assembly.
2: I mean, but he's a legit pimp, though. I mean, he was on HBO's Cat House. Yeah, yeah. Not that I've ever watched that show. Oh, well, come on. Um, but, it, I mean, he, he legit was a purveyor of sex for money. It, it wasn't just, you know, the, the media overreacting. The guy was like one of the most well known uh, street legal pimps in America because of his HBO show.
0: So, it, you know, for people who are not in Nevada, they could actually even call that like human trafficking, but whatever. He apparently has been embraced by certain elements of. The political universe, and was the odds-on favorite to go into the Nevada legislature, where he was going to be what campaigning? I'm guessing for l- low taxes and
1: stuff. Yeah, I mean, he sort of had that uh, quote-unquote personal liberty libertarian type streak with you know the, the the sort of libertarian type streak that often accompanies people who traffic in vice, right? I mean, it's you know, it's it's the pornographers, it's the yeah it uh, it's mm-hmm. the pimps, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, and and you know, that's that's yeah. You know, I think my if you're a libertarian, you're a libertarian.
2: I think my favorite aspect of the story was that Ron Jeremy played happy birthday to uh, uh, Ron Hoff on the harmonica because um, we know the guy's
0: talented. Never, no, I'm just not going <laughs> to. Well, apparently this is a Ron family Jeremy podcast. Who, who found Ron who Jeremy, Mr. Hoff in a deceased state in the morning?
1: We're just we're um, looking at we're looking at pictures of, you know, t- yeah. tweets from this article right now. Ron Jeremy does not look so good. He's uh, He's a little worse for wear, I think.
0: He never did.
1: Well, okay. I mean, he was, but he was an. I'm unfamiliar. <laughs> to,
0: and and of course, we we have to mention that since it is 2018, there's actually a a porn star story in the news on the front page of newspapers when the president of the United States, referring to his uh, porn star ex-lover as horseface, which you know, I just you know, what, I'm just too exhausted to get into this. You know, somebody called me up yesterday and said, could you comment on? Uh, what it means that the president is referring to Stormy Daniels, horse face, what, what that means for the state of our political discourse. <laughs> I, 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 no, I just, no, I'm just, it's so the, the other story that we are continuing, continuing to unfold the details about the, the Saudi Arabian uh, murder of Jamal Khashoggi. I mean, the details are just breathtaking. They are gro- gruesome. They are grotesque. Um, you know, it, it, it is not as if um, the Middle East is a stranger to assassinations, to jailing, to various uh, you know forms of uh, you know man's inhumanity to man. But there is something about this that uh, is extraordinary: luring this uh, this well-known journalist into the Saudi consulate, getting him in there, and then apparently you know killing him and then beheading him, uh, carving him up with a a bone saw, um, and yet. It appears that, and you tell me whether you disagree, that this story is on a trajectory where we all know how it ends, don't we? I mean, we all know that they're going to come up with sort of a bullshit answer, and that everybody's going to pretend because it's convenient to believe it. By everybody, I mean the president of the United States, Congress, whatever. They'll go through. They'll be outraged, and then nothing will happen.
1: But am I wrong about that? So, okay, am- I I might I might push back on that a little bit, Charlie. Let's I'm do. I'm yeah I. Because you're younger and more hopeful than me. <laughs> so, so here's here's what I've seen. You know, in in the past, pattern of the president's behavior over the last couple of days. Like, yes, he's made a lot of headlines because uh, he has sort of prickly, pricklyly come to. Um, come to saudi arabia's presumptive defense with a couple of sort of ill-considered lines you know talking about how you know scolding reporters for presuming them guilty until uh, until they're proven innocent things like that where, you know telling telling reporters that uh you know the, the 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 king of saudi arabia has strongly denied having any knowledge of this assassination um that the crown prince has strongly denied that that he has any knowledge of this assassination and these are these are all the moves that trump makes uh you know, we 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 we've seen this sort of thing before, like with uh, with Vladimir Putin or whatever, with leaders that he wants to, um, you know, give the benefit of the doubt to for uh, for him, political him reasons. Gonna, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. However, um, I do think that you know, beyond those couple of you know ill considered lines where the president has jumped into this thing uh, when he should not have, I do think that there's a case to be made that that the stance that he has taken so far has actually been uh, on the whole relatively sober, just given the fact that. Um, yes, these you know, the, the the facts as we know them right now do not look good for for uh, Saudi Arabia. It does seem, you know, what evidence exists does seem to indicate that this guy was killed, um, you know, in the in the consulate in Turkey, uh, and that uh, the Saudis planned it. The only sticky sticking point is that. As, uh, as as things stand right now, based on what we know right now, a lot of that information uh, we are beholden to uh, Turkish officials. In you know, in in you know that being accurate, that that you know this this uh, supposed audio recording of Khashoggi being tortured and killed that Turkish officials have told us exists, but that U.S. officials have not yet seen. I think that you know the the White House has has uh, with good reasons uh, sort of been a little bit more restrained until they themselves have seen this intelligence instead of just relying on these secondhand reports um, that, you know, it's it's good actually for, for Trump and for Pompeo and people like this not to come out and directly say, you know, we know that Saudi Arabia did this. That being said, I do think that there is a real worry, uh, you know, if that information is handed over and Trump continues to deny and, and obfuscate and things, that would be a really big problem. But I do think that Trump has shown enough in his other comments that saying, you know, Know, we do really want to get to the bottom of this, and it really does look like Saudi Arabia might have might have done this. If the evidence is as good as Turkish officials say that it is, and they provide that evidence uh, to to U.S. intelligence, I really don't think. Uh, and, and again, maybe this is too optimistic, but I I would be I wouldn't be surprised to see this actually be handled well by the okay, White but House. Okay, what
0: would well what would handling it well be?
1: Well, I mean, I, I I think just for starters, to acknowledge, I mean, if 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 U.S. officials get this recording and they assess it to be legit, uh, and then they you know tell the public we've we've gotten this recording and and we think it's legit they've asked Turkish officials to hand it over I mean this would be this is a sort of smoking gun right I mean this would be a really 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 strong damning piece of evidence to show that the you know that the Saudi arabians did uh, kill this guy and I mean I beyond that well, you know beyond yeah. beyond beyond the assessment I think you know what 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 ought to be done as a matter of policy yeah I mean I, I do think that the Trump administration is like is likelier uh, to go easy on the Saudis than if this were Iran or something like that. Well, I mean, see, we then, should-
0: then, then, then the second part is whether or not they will uh, connect the dots to the, the royal family, including MBS. And uh, you know, the, the 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 line certainly may be yes, all this happened, but it was the rogue agents. And here's here's my skepticism: is that this administration has invested so much in this crown prince, it has done so much, whether it's Jared Kushner or whether it's the you know geopolitical balancing with, with Iran, that that they it, it it's almost you know impossible for them. To then follow that this gruesome murder and then put it pin it on somebody who is their guy, they the horse they're riding in the Middle East. I mean, and there's so many different aspects of this. You know, you do have Donald Trump's, uh, you know, preternatural, uh, you know, a, a, a admiration for authoritarian strongmen and his willingness to excuse them, whether it's Vladimir Putin or whether it's a, it's the uh, you know, the Saudi royal family. You do have—I'm sorry to bring this up—but you you have the the question of what are the financial ties between uh, Trump and his family and uh, and 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 the Saudis, and then of course you have the real politic of the fact that you know we really need, um, or at least we believe that we need Saudi Arabia to be one of our allies in 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 balancing Iran. So, whatever the smoking gun is, I just I'm I'm. I'm I, I, it, it seems to me that the that, that trump's the Trump's you know overwhelming motivation will be to cover up the the highest level of the this this murder of, of the reporter
2: I, I I'm more skeptical uh, I'm, I'm probably closer to, to your skepticism here Charlie I'm, I'm reminded of a scene from the, the Nick Cage classic Lord of War where in the end he gets caught for being an arms dealer. <laughs> He, he tells the pr- prosecutor, like, here's what's going to happen. You know, you, you can keep me in here, but, you know, in a couple minutes, there's going to be a knock at the door and then they're going to say there's a phone call for you and you're going to be complimented and told what a great job you did. But, you know, at the end of the day, you have to let me go. <laughs> and, you know, of course, that's what that is indeed what happens. And, you know, I, I was I was thinking of my, my mind running in, in, in crazy ways when, when Andrew was talking about, oh, if the U.S. intelligence community gets this, well, I mean, Trump also does have this Strange, uh, you know, skepticism for the U.S. intelligence community. You know, I was going to equip that. You know, maybe if uh, Turkey leaked it to Breitbart.com or you know one of these. But he, but he
1: has come around. He has come around on some of those things, right? I mean, like yeah. it took a long time for him to get there, but I mean, the, the things like the U.S. intelligence community's assessment that Russia meddled in the election. I mean, they they had to pull it out of Trump kicking and screaming. But now he does it. I mean, here, he acknowledges it because my, the evidence my is wor- there. My
2: worry at the end of the day is that President Trump will have been harder on Canada. On NAFTA, <laughs> then he will be on Saudi Arabia. Well, uh, I wish that
0: was a joke, right? <laughs> I mean,
2: yeah, I right. no, I mean, well,
0: but, yeah, but but, I mean, but you but, do. I want to I want to step back just on, on the moral issue here, um, because I mean, I think obviously this, this this crime is, you know, is 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 horrific, and it's something that we cannot ignore. And, and Ann, Ann Coulter like,
2: is making comments right. about
0: why journalists
2: need to die too. I mean, <laughs> well, ne- that's, that's never one great. to miss a cue to be. I'm not gonna,
0: not going to say it, but sorry, well, Jim, you're popping we, off today. Yeah, Jim, Jim. Jim's got Jim's got beans in him. You must be going on a trip or something like that. You must have a road trip in your future or something. But the 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 moral I- issue here? Though I mean, it's very very clear. It's very graphic what happened to Jamal Khashoggi and how you know the, the world cannot look the other way. And and by the way, this, I think this is a great time for for us as a country to reevaluate. You know our, um, our, our 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 love affair with the Saudi Arabians, which has been you know somewhat inexplicable going back for for many you know presidencies, not just Donald Trump. But, you know, there is an interesting question. The In the Middle East, the Middle East is a brutal place where uh, assassinations and atrocities are not unheard of, committed by our allies. And, you know, Saudi Arabia has been a bad actor in Yemen for some time. Uh, you know, the bombing of the infrastructure of civilians, you know, the allowing of the spread of, of cholera, uh, the the uh, you know interdiction of medical supplies, etc. Horrific stories. And yet... Frankly, has not moved the needle at all. There has been no outcry. There's been no, you know, uh, sense of, of indignation about it. All of the beautiful people who were planning on going to Saudi Arabia, uh, who are now canceling because of Jamal Khashoggi, were completely okay going there, despite all of those atrocities. So, there are people who are going to be saying, look, um, you know, the the grown-up view of the Middle East is that you're going to have to get in bed with bad people. Why would you? you know if if that is in the national interest to engage in that sort of a thing and you have to turn a blind eye to you know mur- murderous thug uh, dictators who engage in atrocities why would this be any different i, I just thought, i throw i throw that out there I yeah, mean, if you I, had a, if you had a picture of, of thousands of children in in yemen and yet, that apparently doesn't lead to the kind of indignation that this one story
1: is. Well, and I think, yeah, I mean, in 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 those terms, I think it's not you know surprising why it was that this was the story that got such an outcry here. I mean, it's it's the fact that Khashoggi was a U.S. resident, and also, I mean, frankly, the fact that he was uh, he wrote for a major newspaper. I mean, like people, you know, in media knew this guy, and so you know, his disappearance became a big media event. I I, I totally agree with you that that those you know that. Sort of on the merits, this is not necessarily worse than those other atrocities that were happening. Right. I, I do think it makes you know it makes intuitive sense why it was so much sort of more in 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 the eye of, of American media. I do think you know the and you you sort of alluded to this already. The the reason why this is such a you know awkward thing for for the Trump administration is because you know yes Saudi Arabia has been sort of a, a key American ally for a long time and we've we've overlooked um you know the, the these kind of bad actions for for a long time but even more so than previous administrations the, the, the Trump administration has really chosen to sort of run all of our middle east policy sort right. of through uh, the through Saudi Arabia I mean we we saw this going mm. back already a whole a whole year when um when when our our anti you know our, our anti-terrorism uh efforts in in the Middle East you know the this you remember you, do you guys remember that that one picture from uh, the, the uh, of Trump and those those guys with their hands on the orb oh, yeah' uh, the <laughs> we're
2: in, we're in a, a post orb world right, yeah
1: right right I mean and yeah because because that that whole event was all about you know Middle Eastern company uh, Middle Eastern countries uh supposedly stepping up their efforts to police, you know, their own uh, countries for terrorist activity. And Saudi Arabia was front and center in that, uh, you know, as, as well as, you know, other nations around there. But it's and, and obviously, like you say, uh, uh, Kushner has been uh, very involved with with, you know, championing MBS as you know, this this sort of reformist in Saudi Arabia. And so this all looks really bad. It's just you. Um, it, even 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 if you you know even if you want the Trump administration to do the right thing about this, it it is sort of tough <laughs> to imagine what the right thing is going to be. you know well, that's
0: that's the thing. you know, I mean, I was talking to uh, you know a, a, a grown-up who said, you know, I mean, ultimately you have to acknowledge that that foreign affairs and national interest is is amoral to a certain extent. you know, you 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 can't you you can't expect pristine morals." I guess maybe part of the distinction here is, is how viscerally amoral Donald Trump is in dealing with the world's thugs and that, that, that maybe there's a percentage in, in being – and maybe the word here is hypocritical we're looking at to, – to at least put some sort of a moral or principle gloss on what you're doing when you get in bed with, with, with bad actors. But it is this pattern, this willingness – and I guess what struck me – was that it was I had flashbacks to helsinki you know when he, when he's talking about well the king absolutely insists he didn't do right. it you know it sounds very very much like you know donald trump staying next to vladimir putin and accepting this you know thuggish uh, authoritarian's word and you, you you know go back back and forth with is it just the incredible naivete right. is it the fact that you just are not you know that that you that you're just not willing to take a stand but I think that's kind of the gloss that you know over all of this is that is that there's a pattern here that I think Trump's going to have a hard time breaking.
1: And and the other distasteful thing that we've we've hardly even mentioned yet. I mean, maybe you've talked about it on the on the podcast prior, but you know the, the way in which Trump has continually over the past week or so. Um, unprompted, pretty much, just whenever anyone asks, so if it turns out Saudi Arabia did do this, what kind of actions are you going to take? And to his credit, he said, you know, that that there would be repercussions. There would have to be repercussions. But he's also, you know, unprompted said, well, of course we're not getting rid of the weapons deal, you know, that that big multi-billion dollar arms deal that we signed with Saudi Arabia. uh, You know, he says, well, that's a lot of U.S. jobs. That's a lot of U.S. That's a lot of money flowing into the U.S. We we shouldn't punish ourselves because Saudi Arabia did a bad thing. And that's just the kind of, you know, Right, it it is real politic, right? I mean, like it's yeah. it's a real consideration for for him to weigh. Maybe it's the right consideration. Maybe it's the wrong consideration. It's just strange to see him, you know, so sort of baldly, <laughs> yeah, coming out like that. I mean, that's what that's what yeah. his people like about yeah, it. I guess
0: so they're murdering people, but uh, they're really good customers. Right, are they, right. really good. Um, okay, one last comment on all of this. Uh, the, a lot of commentary about uh, Mike Pompeo's visit uh, to uh, to to Riyadh, where. You know, he is, uh, you know, supposed to be, I guess, in in some sense, I'm reversing the, the image here, you know, calling the king or the royal family on on the carpet. But it was uh, all smiles and handshakes. And then afterwards, when he's asked about, uh, you know, we learned, he says, well, I don't, you know, we didn't talk about facts. I'm not going to talk about facts. You know, the 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 visuals of that were I, I described it. I, I thought it was cringeworthy. I mean, I really did think that it was cringeworthy that here you have this brutally murdered journalist. And it was all smiles and handshakes, which again I think telegraphed where this is going to end. That that they're never going to accept that that MSB, MSB you know, basically fingered this guy, which everybody knows that he did.
2: Yeah, we'll um, see. Charlie, if you're OK with this, I want to throw a quick curveball at you and play a clip uh, for you that has been circulating. It's a, a clip between Brian Stelter uh, from CNN and Eric Bowling, formerly of Fox News. And apparently uh, you, you might be getting a name check here. So uh, mm. let's listen to hear what you have to say. Bring it on. He
0: so what does he say when he calls you? People, what do you talk about?
2: Well, who have his ear? What's that? What does he say when he calls you? What do you talk about? I've talked to him about I, I did Morning Joe a couple of days in a row uh, about a month ago. He called me afterwards to talk about uh, Charlie Sykes, believe it or not. Or mm-hmm. he's spoken to me. He's called me uh, about Bill Shine. Bill Shine's a friend of mine. He said, you know, what are we doing here? And I, I gave Shine a resounding uh, endorsements saying the guy. So apparently President Trump calls Eric Bolling, now of conservative review television, uh, to talk about his media appearances,
0: including you. Boeing, Boeing didn't say he endorsed you, though, Charlie. No, no, he didn't actually. It was uh, w- was rather intense. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the back and forth we did it two days in a row. I got to, I got I to tell you, I, I find that mildly depressing that the leader of the free world <laughs> be reacting to anything that I'm saying on on, on cable television. I mean, seriously. or perhaps
1: on the Daily Standard podcast.
0: You well,
1: <laughs> I'm, gonna have, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go in and check the data. Do we have any
2: well, who.eop.gov uh, IP addresses downloading the podcast?
0: Well, this is apparently one of the dynamics. Why you know one of the great mysteries I think is is, is why people go on the air, whether it's CNN or MSNBC or or, or or Fox News, and be clown themselves. You know, say things that are just like, really, do you really say this? I mean, do you actually believe what you're saying? And we 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 keep doing the you know coming back to the line that it's an audience of one. Well, it is. Yeah. And and apparently this is this is the coin of the realm. I mean, this is the greatest turn on for some people is that the phone's gonna ring afterwards and it's gonna be the president of the United States saying, Eric.
1: You just showed that psych guy. You just you oh, my,
2: oh,
0: <laughs> whoa, oh, thank you, Mr. President. Oh.
2: But it <laughs> so does it fun. does it does confirm what you know people have been saying for years, which is, you know, I mean, instead of the presidential daily briefing, it's it's Fox and Friends, and that is the way. To get the president's eye or ear. Well, um,
0: apparently it's me on Morning Joe.
1: Well, it's kind of gorgeous in a way, right? Because TV is dying. TV is, you know, constantly about to be dead. It's it's almost over, and and you know, pretty pretty soon here, literally every program on on uh, cable television is just going to be literally performing for this one old guy who just happened just so happens to have the nuclear launch codes. It's kind of amazing.
0: Okay, that was even more depressing than I was. I and mean, then I thought I was <laughs> mildly depressed. <laughs> you throw in the nuclear, you know, he's sitting around in his robe watching cable television and then calling people about their performances like, you know, there's a lot of things going on in the world, including that box that, uh, what, what do they put the, Is that in the, like a, a briefcase or something, you know? Oh, the,
2: the, fo- the football? The football? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of interesting media. The Daily Standard podcast is brought to you by Audible. Now, what would it look like if we all listened to more? Listening to audiobooks motivates you, inspires you, even brings maybe brings us closer together. I got to tell you as somebody that travels a lot, I I really started downloading lots of books before I get on an airplane to be able to do it uh to be able to get get to get through the flight. Look, there's no better place to listen than Audible because now Audible members get even more Exclusive audio fitness programs. I haven't done that yet. Audiobooks, Audible originals, and more. Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet, and now with Audible originals, the selection's gotten even more custom, with content made for members. Actually, um, on my last trip, I listened uh, the entire time on the on the plane to um, to an audiobook about uh, William Wilberforce who is, you know, the the great British anti-slavery activist. And it was really a great read. And and it's the kind of thing, frankly, that I probably would not have been able to go through had I not had it on Audible. Look, every month, Audible members get one credit good for any audiobook they choose, plus two Audible originals from a changing selection they cannot get anywhere else. They also get access to these fitness and health workouts created exclusively for Audible. Plus, your books are yours to keep. With Audible, you can go back and re-listen any time, even if you cancel your membership. Didn't like your audio book, exchange it. No questions asked. So you can start a 30-day trial and your first audiobook is free. Go to audible.com slash standard or text standard to 500500. 500. That's easy to remember. 500-500. You can do it with audiobooks. That's audible.com slash standard or text standard. To 500-500 to get started.
1: You know, I I love Audible. I, <laughs> I use Audible all the time. I will I will give one quick uh, pro tip to all of our listeners out there, which is that uh, you got you got to know what works as a book and what works as an audiobook. So I was cruising along for a while until I tried to get Moby Dick as an audiobook. I was like, this is great. I'll listen to it on my commute. I'll finally get through it. It, it it drew me up cold. It knocked me out of the audiobook game for months. So uh, it was a uh, it was a it was a mistake on my part. Don't don't be well, like you, me. You know what? You know another
0: trick though is is
1: if uh, you know
0: sometimes and, and they have really good readers and uh, like you, really we well could done. they could get your book. Well, you can you can turn up the the speed of the playback. So, I mean, you can you can whip through those things. Okay, um, Andrew, I wanted to talk to you about uh, we have a lot of uh, breaking news. We're going to do this on the podcast uh, uh, later this week, looking at the at at the Senate races, uh, which appear to be breaking, I would say, pretty dramatically for the Republicans. I mean, this this may be one of the undercover stories that the blue wave is not showing up in the Senate. And there's a real possibility the Democrats could pick up, uh, you know, two, two ma- or more seats in the Senate. So that Senate could be a lot, uh, a lot redder than it is right now. And you have been uh, doing a lot of reporting in Missouri, one of the really decisive states. So, what is the issue? That is dominating the debate now in Missouri between Josh Hawley and Claire McCaskill.
1: Yeah, this is there's there's no question this is going to be one of the the closest, most important uh, races next month. there's this there's this wild story that's going on right now that that is it's interesting because it's both sort of like a personal story and it is like a big campaign issue, which is uh, about health care. Which is that Claire McCaskill one one of her I uh, I I don't know if it's quite fair to call him a, a campaign surrogate. He's like a he's a columnist, but he also ghost wrote her book or one of her books in the past, so he's, he's close to the campaign. Uh, he he put up a hit piece on on Hawley uh, that she later tweeted out that was basically calling him a liar on the issue of uh, insurance coverage for people with pre-existing conditions because Hawley, as the Attorney General of Missouri, is one of the Attorney, attorney Generals who is currently filing suit uh, to try to get mm-hmm. Obamacare chucked out as, as unconstitutional right now. Obviously, one of the most popular Parts of Obamacare is its coverage for people with pre-existing conditions that you can't be denied mm-hmm. health insurance coverage because you have a pre-existing condition. Holly, like a lot of Republicans who are running this cycle, has has said over and over again that he's not uh, he's not for getting rid of those uh, th- that those protections that he supports passing a separate piece of legislation, even though he thinks Obamacare is a bad law that should be thrown out as unconstitutional. There should be this separate uh, piece um, or this separate law passed. And like I say, he's not he's not alone among Republicans and wanting this passed. No. but there's but there's this you know there this this piece was it wasn't wasn't a very good piece uh, but it also took issue with the fact that uh, you know H- one of Hawley's sons uh, was I, I believe he was born with with a, a medical condition that would that would uh, qualify as a pre-existing condition and he he talks about that and with it with his family in one of his ads responding to this attack from from uh, from McCaskill and so this piece called uh, said that Hawley was using his son as a political prop uh, McCaskill no. tweeted out this piece Hawley took issue with that Hawley, and, and it's become um, you know, it's, it's sort of become a, a kerfuffle, and you know, and the McCaskill her her rejoinder is, well, it's it's you know. Holly's saying you know don't bring family into this well Holly and his surrogates have been uh, crucifying McCaskill for for her husband's you know wealth for you know the whole the whole campaign season so it's it's gotten sort of ugly and personal and, and it's it's just interesting because it ties into this this broader issue which is that you know the uh, not the family part specifically but this this little mini drama of you the Republican hate uh making insurance companies cover people with pre-existing conditions no I don't I just don't like Obamacare I want to pass a new law. That, that's happening all over the place, uh, and it, just perhaps most incl- importantly incl- in Missouri. Including
0: in my home state of Wisconsin, where uh, Scott Walker is, uh, is wrestling with that as well. Um, and, and one of the questions I have is that why didn't Republicans necessarily see that coming? Um, I don't know of a single Republican political figure who is against protecting uh, pre-existing conditions. And they all understood that that was the third rail, you know, that that whatever you do, you do not want to mess with the coverage of pre-existing conditions. And yet that lawsuit went forward. Wasn't there anybody in the room to raise their hand and say, you understand that if you win this lawsuit, that all of those protections go away? And do you have a plan B?
1: Yeah, and I mean, the the rejoinder is that, you know, that's the most popular part of Obamacare, but there are a lot of parts of Obamacare that aren't popular. You know, it's a big, honking, largely dysfunctional law. Whether whether you think it's dysfunctional because it was written that way, or it was it's dysfunctional because the Trump administration has been busy knocking out one leg after another from the stool. Uh, it, it's just it's just not very good health policy right now anymore. And I think there is there is a decent you know legal argument to be made uh, that the the thing you know enough of obamacare has been demonstrated to not be constitutional that that the court should chuck out the whole thing so we'll see whether no, that no, happens no. but, but and, i mean Holly, holly's a specific a specifically interesting case because he is the attorney general of the state who's also running for the senate seat it's really because of the confluence of those things that he's particularly mm-hmm. susceptible to this attack because it's you know it's not his you know uh it's not his decision to bring this bring this suit forward as republican governors who you know brought this suit, and obviously Holly prosecutes the suit, Um, but but I, I, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that there's totally uh, space there to, to 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 say, you know, Obamacare is unconstitutional, should be tossed out. But also, Obamacare did accomplish this one good policy goal, and so we should pass more legislation uh, to 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 ensure that that's covered. But al- also, you can totally see why Democrats will go for the attack there because if Obamacare is thrown out functionally, what will happen unless and until uh, such a new measure is put into place is that these people would be out of luck. So it's it's, yeah. it's a tough thing to Not- navigate
0: i it, it is and this is one of the way that that uh, Obamacare was structured to make it difficult to do that to require you to go in there with sort of you know a laser surgery to take out the bad stuff and you know, the good stuff and as you point out there may be a very very strong legal case i'm not a lawyer um but the political downside um i think probably should have been a little more obvious speaking of which cuz i always ask this question like why did you not see this coming you know is there any is, is there a consensus here that the Elizabeth Warren DNA um, rollout ter- has turned out to be a complete fiasco. Oh my lord! The, 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 oh
2: my lord! Exactly. Yeah. No. Yeah, yes. I, my 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 only difference with I think what might be the conventional wisdom around these parts is that the ad that she cut with her conservative you know uh, relatives in Norman Oklahoma was not for the Andrew Eggers, it was not for the Charlie Sykes or the Jim Swifts or the the Bill Crystals or whoever. It was four horror, uh, most ardent supporters who yeah. saw yeah. what John Kerry did or didn't do in in relation to the swift boat attacks. No relation. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, there there's the, you know, we used to mock this, you know, oh, he fights. Democrats now are looking for someone who's going to fight. And uh, I, I think that it was for a small part of the base because we're probably going to have – a democratic field, not dissimilar from the 2016 field, it's going to be very lo- It's going to be very big. Up. So it's 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 a it's you know it may it may earn widespread derision even from from moderates and, and other sorts of folks. But um, my my personal theory is that she was trying to target and cement sure. a part of that democratic yeah, base.
1: There definitely is an audience for it. But I just I just think that the the Cherokee Nation coming out with that statement, that was was the kiss of death. I mean,
0: how did they not anticipate this? You game this sort of thing out. Don't you have some old grizzled guy in the back of the room who says, OK, has anybody called the Cherokee Nation? Do we know how the Native Americans are going to respond to all of this? Because there was a tell in the original story. That said, that you know they couldn't use DNA from Native Americans because Native American tribes have been so hostile to the use of DNA tests, and that's why they used the South American uh, DNA. That probably should have been a warning that you just make those phone calls, you touch those bases so that it does not blow up the way that it has. I mean, and this is not just, you know, Republicans and conservatives. I mean, Dana Milbank has a piece in in the Washington Post that is just
2: scathing
0: in saying what a, you know, what a stupid move this was and how it's going to haunt her campaign. Um, You know, not to mention that she's ticked everybody off. I mean, not everybody. She certainly ticked off a lot of other Democrats for we're dropping this uh, in the middle of the midterm elections. Uh, you know, we're becoming part of this narrative that the Democrats are are very, very much off message at a time when Republicans seem to be getting some traction. Yeah. Gentlemen, uh, thanks for uh, for joining me today, and uh, and Jim, thanks for pulling up that uh, that soundbite. I a mean, little uh,
1: little curveball, you yeah, know, something right. new well, for the, the listeners. Just,
0: it is just it is just surreal. Um, <laughs> By I don't think that that show was, was really one of Eric Bowling's better moments, but apparently he probably thinks that that is one of his better moments because of the phone call. Uh, and thank you for listening to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We will be back tomorrow, and we'll do this all over again.